0: It's Friday, November the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by Raytheon Technologies. Coming up, Biden eyes victory and Britain extends furlough pay. First, the world in brief. Joe Biden inched closer to winning enough electoral college votes to claim the presidency, as the last ballots were tabulated at an agonisingly slow pace. President Donald Trump meanwhile promised to file further legal challenges in an attempt to stop the count. Mr Biden is ahead in Arizona and Nevada and narrowing Mr Trump's lead in Georgia and Pennsylvania. All four are expected to declare their final count soon. Both sides to a brewing conflict in Ethiopia said they were at war. Yesterday the government launched an offensive in Tigray, a northern state. Earlier the Tigray People's Liberation Front, which governs there and held unauthorized elections in September, had seized an army base. The TPLF held sway in the national government until Abe Ahmed came to power in 2018. A new bill presented to Russia's parliament proposed to extend the immunity of the country's ex-presidents from criminal prosecution to cover any offences committed in their lifetimes, not merely while in office. The proposed law would also make it harder to revoke former presidents' expanded immunity and help the current incumbent, Vladimir Putin, evade prosecution were he ever to lose office. President Emmanuel Macron of France on a visit to the Spanish border called for strengthened border controls in the European Union following recent jihadist attacks in his country and elsewhere. Mr Macron urged an in-depth re-foundation of Schengen, the subset of European countries that allow mutual passport-free travel, including a strengthening of their external frontiers. Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer, Rishi Sunak, extended the country's furlough scheme to the end of March. It was previously scheduled to end on October 31st, but a new lockdown in England beginning yesterday forced a change of course. The Bank of England also announced a further £150 pounds billion, dollars billion, of quantitative easing to help steady Britain's economy. The Federal Reserve finished a two-day session by standing pat. America's central bank left interest rates at between zero and a quarter point, and its bond-buying program unchanged. Jerome Powell, the Fed's chairman, cited renewed risks to the recovery, a surge in coronavirus cases and the lapse in fiscal support. Avoiding mention of the elections, he pressed Congress for further stimulus. And Commerce Bank, Germany's second biggest listed lender, announced a net loss of €69 million, euros, $81 million, in the third quarter of this year. Branch closures and early retirement costs amounted to €201 million, euros, part of a belt tightening prompted by pressure from shareholders. The bank also set aside 272 million euros in provisions for losses on lending, up from 114 million euros a year ago, due to the economic damage caused by the pandemic. And now here's today's agenda. Counting on it. America's election result. Stop the count, tweeted the President. It is unclear why. If all of America's state vote tallies were certified where they stood at the time of his tweet on Wednesday, Donald Trump would vacate the White House in January. Of those states still in play, Joe Biden leads in Arizona and Nevada, enough to give him victory, while Mr Trump leads in Pennsylvania and Georgia. But over the course of Wednesday, his lead shrank in those two states, while Mr Biden's narrow margin in Nevada grew. The President's brightest spot is Arizona, where updates have shrunk what once seemed a commanding lead for the Democrat. In truth, Mr. Trump needs the count stopped where he is winning and needs it to continue where he is not, with Nevada's trends somehow reversed. His team threatens a flurry of lawsuits, most notably in Pennsylvania. He cannot win without that keystone, but he needs luck in the other three too. His path remains harder than Mr. Biden's. Anyone's Guess America's Jobs Report after peaking at 14.7% in the early part of the pandemic, America's unemployment rate has tumbled faster than almost any forecaster had predicted, to 7.9% in September. The monthly jobs reports published today will show how much more progress has been made. Unemployment has dropped for a few reasons. One is that a large fraction of those who lost their jobs in March believed they had done so only temporarily. As the economy has reopened, they have returned to their old employers. America's economic rescue package, by some measures the world's largest, has put money in people's pockets. In many parts of the economy, including house building and warehousing, there is more demand for workers than there was before the crisis hit. Predicting the exact unemployment rates in previous reports has been a mug's game, but do not be surprised if unemployment falls to 7% or below. Blue waves and second waves. Financial markets. America's stock market is remarkably unperturbed by a close and contested election. Before polling day, an idea had taken hold that a clean sweep of the White House and Congress by the Democrats was likely. A new era of fiscal ease was in prospect. Treasury bond yields rose in anticipation of a flood of issuance to pay for extra federal spending. Then the results started coming in. Bond yields fell and investors went back to doing what they had for much of this year buying the big technology stocks that dominate the S&P 500 index. At least gridlock in Washington would mean that corporate tax cuts may not be reversed. Yet there is still anxiety. Coronavirus infections are rising and Europe is tightening restrictions again. In this context, tech stocks are a salve. After all, these are precisely the companies that did so well out of the stay-at-home economy earlier this year. Coming back to haunt him, Kosovo's President Resigns. Work begins today on finding Kosovo a new president. Yesterday Hashim Thashi resigned after confirming that a special court in The Hague had indicted him for war crimes. He was a leader in the NATO-supported Kosovo Liberation Army during the war of 1998-1999, fighting for independence from Serbia. If parliament does not agree on a new head of state within six months, which it probably will not, a general election would follow. That could well return Alben Kerti to power. He was ousted as Prime Minister earlier this year after resisting demands from the Trump administration to agree to unequal trade terms in an attempt to entice Serbia's leader to a meeting at the White House. Ironically, Mr. Kerti opposed the tribunal that has indicted Mr. Tharshi while Mr. Tharshi initially backed it. Allegations of murder and ethnic cleansing have long dogged the KLA. Now Mr. Tharshi and other indicted colleagues can clear their names or pay for their crimes. Democracy Loses Its Sparkle Myanmar's Election On Sunday, Burmese will head to the polls for the second time since 50-odd years of military rule ended in 2011. Aung San Suu Kyi, the democracy activist who swept to victory in the last election, is likely to do so again. But her share of the vote will be smaller. Myanmar's many ethnic minorities are embittered by her refusal to devolve power to the states and her inability to end the civil wars simmering at the country's edges. Liberals are disappointed with the government for hounding activists. Many people feel left behind by Myanmar's sprightly but uneven economic growth. A small but growing number are so upset that they are sitting out the election altogether. They think the main alternative, the army's proxy party, no better. At least these no voters have a choice. Some 1.5 million Burmese, primarily the Rohingya, a persecuted Muslim group and other ethnic minorities, cannot vote at all. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Eleanor Roosevelt, who died on this day in 1962. It isn't enough to talk about peace. One must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence,